Lockdown Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in to an episode, a crossover Thursday episode of Locked On Ravens and Locked On Washington football team. I am the host of Locked On Ravens, Kevin Ostreicher, here with Chris Russell of the Locked On Washington football team. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters, visa everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. And Chris, so happy to be talking with you today here. This matchup, I mean, the Ravens came off a pretty embarrassing loss, to say the least, against the Chiefs. And honestly, I might think this football <laughs> team is in for one heck of a week for how What do you think? Yeah, Kevin, uh, always good to be with you. Uh, it's been a little while since we've had a chance to chat, but I knew we would circle the wagons here for week four of the NFL season. Not very often these two teams get together in the regular season, of course, uh, despite the near proximity uh, of their two stadiums. Uh, long road trip. I hope the Ravens can handle uh, the commute um, down 95 and, and on the beltway and all that good stuff. Um, you know, look, I, I for me, I, I could be wrong here. I wanted the Ravens to crush the Kansas City Chiefs. I wanted the Ravens to flex their muscle and to be flying high coming into FedEx field uh, to potentially be let down or to potentially overlook the Washington football team. Not so much so that the Washington football team would win. I don't necessarily care about that. Although let's be honest, winning is good for business, right? It's good for ratings. It's good for money. It's good for listenership and all that stuff. So yeah, that was part of my mentality. I wanted the Ravens to not be fuming coming into FedEx field, they're fuming. They should be. They were embarrassed in a lot of ways on Monday Night Football. And I think especially because the Washington football team has a couple of key injuries on defense and a very, very, very inconsistent offense. It's going to be a long Sunday uh, for the home team. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chris. And again, Baltimore they knew they had a shot to beat this Chiefs team, and they just went out there and did not execute. The game plan was a little suspect. The actual play calling was a little suspect. You know, you have a team. This Ravens team averaged 7.5 yards per carry on 21 carries. Usually that's enough to win the game, but the Ravens just got away from the run game, much like we saw in the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans. They abandoned their identity, and ultimately Patrick Mahomes just literally got whatever he wanted on the offensive side of the ball for Kansas City. It was just not a recipe for success for Baltimore. So in week four, going up against this Washington football team, Again, you mentioned those injuries. I'll ask you about those in a few minutes. I think it's going to be almost a bloodbath, for lack of a better word here. But, Chris, I want to start off by asking you about the current quarterback situation in Washington, led by Dwayne Haskins, the young signal caller out of Ohio State. He's impressed in some instances, and otherwise, he's had some costly turnovers, some bad reads, bad decisions, all things you can expect from a rookie, second-year, third-year guy. But with Dwayne Haskins— Chris, how do you think he's performed so far this season? 
Yeah, sorry to jump in on you. And and you mentioned rookie season. I mean, even though it's technically not his rookie season, it is in terms of his development because he didn't really start playing in earnest until halfway through last year and then missed the final game and a half of last year. So really, in terms of his development, he's still not even two thirds of the way toward, you know, done with your typical 16 game quote unquote rookie season. And then you throw in a new system, new coaching staff, no off season. And he was raw, very raw. Kevin, you know, coming out of Ohio state, everyone knew that except for Dan Snyder. Uh, I I know the former coaching staff uh, and people inside the building still knew that for damn sure. Um, So the long answer to this is he has been an inconsistent hot mess is how I would describe it. Uh, Last week in Cleveland, a game I was at first quarter, he was terrific. Uh, got rid of the football, made good, accurate reads, quick stuff, quick game. He seems to be very accurate and comfortable in shotgun or empty backfield uh, where he can kind of survey, even though he has less protection, uh, where he can kind of get rid of the football quickly with either a three-step drop or, again, one of those little one-step pivot type drops. Um, and, and and he was good at that in the first quarter last year and uh, last week in Cleveland. He was absolutely dreadful in the second quarter. He stared down receivers. He overthrew a receiver for an interception uh, that was, uh, you know, on the hip of the tight end. They target the tight end, Logan Thomas, a lot, 24 times in three games so far um, for whatever that tells you. And that's what happened on that one interception. He should have had four interceptions in the entire game last Sunday. He only had three and a sack lost fumble. Um, but turnovers are piling up now. I mentioned the first quarter, good second quarter, horrible Kevin third quarter. He was great. They outscored the Browns 13 to nothing, a couple of touchdown drives, one rush, one passing. Uh, and then the fourth quarter, he was a night. It was like the weirdest kind of up and down all over the place. And that really has summed up Dwayne Haskins career so far is a lot of up and down more downs than up which maybe pe- people you would you know would expect uh, I don't know if they would expect this many downs but there's been plenty of them and if they can't run the football on Sunday and if Baltimore's really angry which I expect them to be it's going to be a long day for Dwayne Haskins in the offense yeah, and you know the one thing that the Ravens defense really hasn't been able to do I'll say over the last few years is cover tight ends and Logan Thomas with those 24 targets has proven to be, you know, that security blanket for Mm -hmm. a young quarterback, which is really so important. But I want to talk about one of Dwayne Haskins other pass catchers, and that is Mm -hmm. scary Terry, Mr. Terry McLaurin. Mr. McLaurin, 269 yards receiving a touchdown. He's looked impressive. I mean, you go back to his rookie season, he absolutely tore the league up. The Ravens are going to have to game plan for him and make sure that he is not a factor in this game because with literally one play, one screen, he could be just flying down the sideline for a touchdown. So, Chris, how important is it for the Redskins to get Terry McLaurin involved early in this game? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, very early, and it will be an emphasis. Uh, I believe, uh, if if memory serves me correct, and you can tell me, uh, Marcus Peters should travel uh, on both sides in, in, in man coverage, right? I mean... Uh, am I wrong on that? 
he he should. There are some instances where Baltimore elects not to travel, especially okay. with the loss to Tavon Young. But for the for for some instances, I would expect. Right. So uh, to me, Terry lines up on the left side, the right side, and they've been using him more out of the slot this year, which has been an emphasis of the offense, the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, uh, who's new here and is the son of Norv Turner for those uh, Ravens fans that don't, you know, that know the name, but don't know the name. Um, and, uh, you know, Terry has worked out uh, again of the slot, right, left. So he's all over the place and he pretty much catches everything and he's terrific at yards after the catch. He'll break a tackle. He'll uh, make a nice cut. He'll leave you kind of standing, you know, with your jock strap around your ankles. Uh, he has deep speed that if they can get the time seven step drop off a of play action, um, you will see a deep shot once or twice in this game, usually in the form of a deep post. Uh, they like to kind of run him over the middle where he has more room to operate. Um, but Terry McLaurin is awesome. He's uh, again, great after the catch. He's a really good kid, young man, whatever, smart, articulate. He's everything you would want him to be as a leading receiver, except right now he's stuck with a struggling quarterback. So that's why he doesn't get as much credit, you know, probably around the NFL as he deserves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, averaging 16.8 yards per catch this year, he's somebody who you have to account for, or he can literally break a defense in multiple yep. ways. You mentioned the yard after the catch ability from him. He's he's a scary guy to go up against, and the Ravens kind of have their shifty guy in Marquise Brown as well. But Chris, I want to talk about this defense really quickly before we head in to our break. And Obviously, the big news here is Chase Young's groin injury going to keep him out for this game and potentially a bit longer. But that's a pretty big loss as he was tearing it up throughout his first, well, I guess we'll call it two games. He didn't really play in that Cleveland game. John Bostic is the leading tackler on this defense. But going back to that front four, even without Chase Young, still a very scary front Jonathan Allen, one and a half sacks this year. So he's really impressed me. And you also have guys like Montez Sweat. You have Ryan Kerrigan. Mm -hmm. So many guys who can hurt you on that front four. So how do you expect Washington's defensive game plan to look against Baltimore? Uh, so one name you didn't mention there is Matt Ioannidis, who went on IR. Uh, the team hasn't made it official yet, but he's going to, and he's expected to be lost for the season. He's probably their best interior. Uh, he is their best interior pass rusher, period. Uh, usually lined up at the one technique in the four, three, um, you know, and, and that's a big loss. You mentioned Chase Young. He's not ruled out by the Washington football team. Uh, I saw him at practice on Wednesday. He did not practice in terms of of team practice, but he was riding the exercise bike. He was stretching. He was working on the back practice fields with Ryan Anderson, another uh, defensive end on uh, resistance band training and all that stuff. He's expected to be out, but I I can't say 100% that he will be out. So let's let's just assume that he is. Um, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, you mentioned Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat is really coming along both as a pass rusher. Uh, and as a run stopper late in the game last week in Cleveland, as they got tired on a warm day in Cleveland, surprisingly, uh, I, I thought he lost it a little bit, quite honestly. And, and Cleveland ran at him uh, and had some success. Not all his fault by any means. They were, again, very thin. But how they make up for these two key injuries, assuming, again, that Chase Young, the number two overall pick, which is obviously a huge break for Baltimore if, if, if he doesn't play. And Matt Ioannidis, another huge break, and he won't play, um, is is 
Tim Settle is a defensive tackle that's been a backup, but a very productive backup. He slides into the starting role. Again, I mentioned Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne in the 4-3. All those guys work inside in a combination and in a tandem, and they mix and rotate and try and keep everybody fresh. I would also expect Ryan Kerrigan to kick in inside a little bit more in certain packages. Um, And then what's interesting is they have two younger guys, Nate Orchard, who's bounced around the NFL for a little while. He's got some speed and some athleticism. And Ron Rivera, very familiar with him because uh, he helped him get fired in Carolina last year. And then James Smith Williams is a seventh round pick out of NC State who made the Washington roster. And you might say, well, ah, how good could he be? Their two seventh round picks are two of the gems of their 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 draft class, quite honestly. This kid's super smart. He's got a, a four six I think time speed four, six, something Uh, he can rush from the inside, the outside. So the point that I'm trying to make is there's no doubt that they're, you know, shorthanded, but they do have depth. They do have options. And more importantly, I think with James Smith Williams and with Nate Orchard and some of the guys that they already have, they have some speed that most teams don't have to kind of try and counter Lamar Jackson. Not to say that you will, but they have at least speed at the linebacker level. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is another guy that can at least shadow or try and close the door or try and control Lamar Jackson if they're aggressive in their game plan like they weren't against Kyler Murray in Arizona. That was a big talking point for Jack Del Rio and the players early this week. Yeah, you do have to game plan around Lamar Jackson. And again, a very mad Lamar Jackson and this Baltimore offense coming in to Washington to play the football team. I don't know. I mean, with Chase Young, Matt Iodonis, as you mentioned, two guys who would really, I think, have had a big impact in this game. But still, as, as I said, the Washington front four is still a scary place to run into or even just to throw against without those two guys in the fold. We're going to head into our first break here, and when we get back, Chris is going to be asking me questions about the Ravens, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. All right, guys, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the cutsy calls, the crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides you access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today, guys. NFL Game Pass, where football never, ever stops. All right, it is Chris Russell for our friends at rockauto.com. I keep telling you guys, no matter whether you need a major part, a minor part, an accessory, something to make make your car keep running well or to get it back on the road, there's only one choice that you really should consider, and that's rockauto.com. Why go anywhere else, right? Why get in your car that might not be working right? Because that's the reason why you're looking for an auto part, number one. Number two, why spend your gas, your time, 
leaving, going to get hassled by some salesperson that may or may not be on a commission. And even if he's not on a commission, he's trying to justify his job. He's trying to justify the reason why the building is operational and requires as much uptake uh, as it does. And he's also not going to treat you the same way he's going to treat his buddy, the mechanic from the local repair shop. Why? Because they buy in volume, because they are going to get treated better than you are. You're not going to get the discount. You're not going to get the best pricing. You're going to get basically wholesale, right? So at rockauto.com, because they're a family business and because it's a completely digital experience, they have everything you need for your car or truck, foreign or domestic, and they're not going to treat you any differently than the next guy or the next woman. They're going to treat you exactly the same, and you're going to have a great experience. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we're back on this crossover Thursday edition of the Locked on Ravens and the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Great to have you guys with us. We talked about the Washington football team more extensively in the last segment, and now we'll kind of flip the script and talk to Kevin Ostreicher about the Baltimore Ravens and kind of put a focus on uh, them off of the bad Monday night loss. You want to call it a bad Monday night. I think it's fair to call it a bad Monday night loss. Not that they were absolutely expected to win, but I think most people thought it would be a much closer and tighter game. And Kevin, I want to ask you something. You kind of alluded to it. They got away from their bread and butter. Uh, Sure. Lamar had his rushing yards, but they, when this team does not run and pound the football and open up that short passing game for Lamar, they are in a lot of trouble. Did Kansas City do something to Ingram? Did they do something to, you know, the whole group? Did they sell out? What do you think worked for Kansas City to again put that onus and that pressure on Lamar as a passer first? Well, I think when you first look at this game, you look at the opening possession for Baltimore, and I think everybody across the league knows that to beat this Kansas City team, you have to score touchdowns. You have to put seven on the board. And Baltimore's first possession ended in three. And really, at the end of the day, what that meant was, all right, you let Kansas City get the ball back. Maybe you can hold them to zero points, get the ball back. What happened was Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City offense just went down the field at will, scored so quickly. Baltimore gets the ball back. And this on their first possession after rushing the ball, averaging like average, I don't even know how many yards per carry, but it was a lot. And you see them just run, run, run. And it was effective. It was working. You see a reverse to Devin Duvernay that gets seven yards. So you have it about second and two with the Kansas City, I believe it was 12 or 11 yard line. And then you run two pass plays that go nowhere. They get you one yard. And then on the next possession after Kansas City scores, you have a great 12-yard design run with Lamar Jackson. Picks up 12, 14 yards. And then you have a horrendous tripping call on Nick Boyle that sets them back to first and 20. So not only do you you lose those 10 yards from the tripping penalty, but the 12 to 14 that you just lost from that play. So what does Greg Roman do? He goes and calls three straight pass plays, which, again, is not the Ravens' bread and butter. I think you have to run at least on one of those plays. I'm totally all right with passing twice on a possession, but you have to make the Chiefs guess. Is it going to be a run? Is it going to be a pass? So they go three and out. They punt Kansas City. They ultimately score. And 
Then what happens? Devin Duvernay returns a kick for a touchdown. So you have momentum back. Kansas City goes three and out. So what you what you have is you're down three. So you're expected to run the ball, right? It's your bread and butter. It was working early. Greg Roman passes the ball three straight times again. <laughs> goes three and out. And it, it was a theme. The Ravens got away, much like we saw in the Tennessee playoff game, from mm-hmm. their bread and butter, from what was clearly working. And at the end of the game, the Ravens averaged six. 7.5 yards per carry on 21 attempts. They could not win a football game averaging 7.5 yards per carry. That is a ridiculously high number. And you have guys like Gus Edwards who on four carries averaged 9.8 yards per carry. at had 39 yards. J.K. Dobbins had six yards on his only carry. Lamar Jackson was running those design options. But what Greg Roman decided to do was he saw this team down. He saw them with an opportunity to throw the football and I think just did it too much. So I don't think it was anything Kansas City did specifically. And again, all credit to Kansas City and what they were able to actually do. They were fast to the football. They forced Lamar Jackson out of the pocket. They forced him to be uncomfortable while throwing the football. And their coverage was very, very tight on the receivers. But at the end of the day, I think this game would have been very, very different if there were just a few more rushing plays called. Um. You know, when I watched bits and pieces of that game, and I'm still trying to go through the tape, quite honestly, as we record this, it looked like Lamar was able to dial up a couple of longish type passing plays uh, to, you know, uh, one, you know, that maybe the tight end Mark Edwards could have, you know, could could have reeled in there in the end zone uh, for, you know, what would have been, you know, uh, I guess you want to call it a spectacular touchdown. Sure. Uh, Mark Andrews, I should say. Um, or, you know, and then there was the one where he kind of overthrew a deep pass, if, if if memory serves me correct, up the sideline. In terms of touch, in terms of accuracy, in terms of the overall ability to throw the rock if and when he needs to and when by design they want to, where is Lamar at? Because I, I would argue that, you know, even if you – when you're getting blown out for the most part, 10 points, 14 points, whatever, to have less than 100 passing yards is is just utterly absurd. And I, and I agree. And I mean, to an extent, Lamar Jackson, no quarterback is perfect when it comes to touch, when it comes to accuracy. He did have a couple of passes that should have absolutely been caught by Mark Andrews. But at the end of the day, he had some of those throws where he, he was right on the money and they were dropped. And he also had overthrows. He also had underthrows. We saw a couple plays where Marquise Brown, the receiver, beat his man deep. He had a wide open walk-in touchdown on one play. Lamar Jackson overthrew him. On another play, Lamar Jackson underthrew him. So where Mm -hmm. is Lamar Jackson right now with touch? I'm actually very confident in what he's been able to do with improving on his deep ball accuracy, which, again, I think was one of his biggest needs going into the offseason when it came to improving something going into this, I guess, COVID offseason. But with Lamar Jackson, again, every everybody just has to be better all around. And that falls on Lamar Jackson because you look at a stat line with this quarterback and you see less than 100 yards passing and you just go, oh, my God. Right. In an NFL football game, a, a quarterback passed for 97 yards in a loss. So at the end of the day, yes, that's not acceptable. But I do think that, again, this had a lot to do with this had a lot to do with the fact that the Ravens almost dug themselves hole 
But yes, at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson does have to be better. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for him. I will defend Lamar Jackson when it is necessary, when people are, you know, giving these bad takes about him and counting him out for no reason. But yes, Lamar Jackson absolutely has to be better, especially in these big games. You know, the Chiefs, as he mentioned in his postgame press conference, he said they are literally his kryptonite. kryptonite. Yeah, Yeah. he has to get better. He has to understand it. And again, the coaching, the game plan, the preparation. We saw Kansas City in that game do literally whatever they wanted on offense. We saw them throw to tackles, shovel passes to fullbacks, fake screens one way, then another way, then a throw in the middle of the field to Travis Kelsey. They were very creative with their game plan. And ultimately, I think if Baltimore can do that, with because they have the speed to do it. Marquise Brown, we saw Devin DuVernay on that kickoff return touchdown. I think that Lamar Jackson has these weapons. He just has to hit them, and he's been hitting them throughout his career. I just think it was an off night for him. Yeah, this is my fear going into this game. Washington has some speed on the defense. I mentioned Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I mentioned some of those young defensive linemen uh, in this game. Troy Apke, a free safety, is really fast, but he's not good. That's the problem. He takes bad angles. Uh, He's hit and missed as a tackler. Ronald Darby has been beaten deep a couple of times in week one and week two by backup wide receivers. So to me, if Lamar is just a touch more accurate and he gets a little bit of help, like we talked about from Andrews and, you know, of course, the rest of the crew that you just kind of mention and DuVernay scares me uh and of course Marquis Brown you know to me I think Lamar is probably going to have 300 325 by the time Sunday afternoon is over um because we spent obviously a lot of time talking about the offense and I don't want to uh eliminate the defense you know Baltimore has always been known as a good defensive team and when you look around we talked touched on Marcus Peters earlier um I know Calais Campbell um, I know Derek Wolf. They've kind of changed some things around. They drafted Patrick Queen in the first round. How good is this defense when they're not taking on the out of this world Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? And, you know, Chris, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't really understand is that we saw these two powerhouse teams go at it, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens. Kansas City is on literally like three planets away from here in terms of how good they are (laughs) i mean it was unbelievable to watch just the ease they moved up and down the field on this defense with and come playoff time that's going to be an issue but now you head in to play this washington football team and when they aren't playing the kansas city chiefs this defense is actually very good now they did lose their starting slot cornerback tavon young for the season for the third time in five years And that's a big loss because what that allows you to do is move Marlon Humphrey, who is one of the best corners in the NFL, to the outside, which is his natural position. He played a lot of slot last year because Young was injured and he just filled in and was actually a very good slot cornerback. But now with Tavon Young injured, you have to move him back in, which means that your experiment with Jimmy Smith at safety, who was able to play safety because the Ravens had so much depth at corner, now has to play a bit more outside corner. But again, the whole... MO for this defense was improve the front seven, get pressure on the quarterback, bring the quarterback down and be able to stop the runs, especially the outside runs. They struggled extremely hard against the outside run in 2019. And so what you've seen so far is, I think, very encouraging, except for the actual sack numbers. Baltimore has not been able to get a lot of those. And you look at it, they're paying Matthew Judon over $16 million on the franchise tag. He's a do-it-all linebacker. He's not just a pass rusher. Baltimore drops him into coverage. They also they actually drop their outside linebackers into coverage quite often. I believe in the Cleveland game in week one, Matt Judon had 
I believe it was 18 dropbacks into coverage for a guy who had nine and a half sacks last season, 10 if you want to round it up. But I think that this Ravens defense is very good. You see LJ Fort, a cast off from the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles who got signed off the street in 2019. He's been one of the highest graded linebackers from PFF. And I mean, take what you will from PFF, but he's played extremely well. Patrick Queen, and Malik Harrison, you mentioned that Kansas City offense. I mean, they got benched towards the end of that game because they were just getting eaten alive. Andy Reid made sure to target them. I mean, as you probably would if you were a coach going up against these two rookie linebackers who didn't have an offseason. But they have Calais Campbell. They have Derek Wolf. They've been able to stop the run very well. So if you're able to bottle that up, make Dwayne Haskins, throw the football, and really make the Washington football team Use those receivers, use Terry McLaurin, use Logan Thomas. I think that Baltimore has a really good shot to win this game, especially what I think is going to be a bounce back game for this team. Uh, Kevin, one last one, you know, before we let you go uh, and run out of time here. Uh, We mentioned uh, DuVernay with the the big kick return. It just seemed like from outside Baltimore with Harbaugh being a former special teams coordinator has always been really solid in the special teams area. And I actually think for a terrible team, Washington is as well. This might be the star subplot of the day on Sunday at FedEx is which special teams unit uh, is better. And I know Baltimore has a pretty good one. Oh yeah. Special teams can win you football games. I mean, it almost won Baltimore, the Kansas city game. If, They were, I think, a little smarter with their game plan. But I think that, really, if you get that momentum shift like we saw with Devin DuVernay's kickoff return for a touchdown, I mean, obviously it's what you do with it that counts. But, really, you have guys, and the Ravens have been looking. They've been looking all over the place for Turner that can give them the spark that Jacoby Jones gave them all those years ago. Was key to their Super Bowl run. We saw him do it in the Super Bowl. They've been looking. They tried out a pretty much old Devin Hester. They tried some undrafted rookies. But with James Prochet, who's the punt returner, and Devin DuVernay, who's the kick returner, they have two electric speedsters who know how to work with the open field, know how to make space. And I think that with Baltimore, yes, John Harbaugh's always been a special teams guy. Jerry Rossberg, who was Baltimore's special teams coach for a really long time, retired before the start of the 2019 season. So Chris Horton has been the guy who's taken over that unit. We saw some struggles last season, but so far I have no complaints about the special teams unit for Baltimore. So we could see the star-studded matchup for Baltimore and Washington take place, not on the offense, not on the defense, but special teams. Kevin, here's how old I am and how ridiculous this league sometimes is. Guess who I covered when he was a rookie in the NFL? Oh, was it Devin Esther? No, uh, Chris Horton, the guy you just mentioned. Was it Chris Horton? Oh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, (laughs) it just goes to show you how weird things are and how (laughs) different, you know, and here he is, again, working for, you know, Harbaugh when he took, people don't remember this, when he took the Baltimore, he was the special teams coordinator in Philadelphia. And again, that's always been a strength of theirs. So it's really interesting how these things kind of come together. Um, Kevin, I know we're out of time, but I guess real quickly, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't want to put words in your mouth. I assume you're picking Baltimore. Do you think there's any chance this will be a close game? Yeah, to a degree, I could, I could see it. I don't think it's likely. But if Baltimore is really just down after that Kansas City game, which I do not think they are, they said that they, you know, move on to the next week. It's week four. We're on to Washington. It could be. But at the end of the day, I expect Baltimore to handle their business and to show up pissed off and mad and angry. And honestly, I think that's the scariest part. 
Yeah, and, and I'm right there with you because before Monday night, I thought Washington had a decent chance to keep this game close and would lose. Now I'm fearing the retaliation, the anger, the venom that we've kind of both been talking about. Plus, when you combine, you know, the the, the young injury uh, and definitely Ionitis and the struggling Dwayne Haskins, uh, I think it'll be a multi, you know, I, I think it'll be a double digit uh, Raven win by the time it's all said and done. Kevin, uh, great to catch up with you as always. Uh, let's do this again. I don't know when, uh, maybe in four years when the Battle of the Beltway happens again. Or, you know, I mean, it's not illegal to actually go to the Super Bowl and play against each other. That ought to be fun, huh? Oh, what a headline. That would be Battle of the Beltway <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Hey, I'd love it. It means Baltimore would be there, so I will take it, Chris. I, I, I understand. It means Washington somehow would, would go on a magic carpet ride, and and then we could all make money. Uh, Kevin, uh, appreciate your time, uh, and we're going to wrap it up here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast, the Locked on Ravens uh, podcast for this crossover Thursday right here. All right, just finishing up the Locked on Washington football team podcast on this crossover Thursday. So again, the injury report from Wednesday was lengthy. Uh, Now the numbers starting to tally up for the Washington football team here after three weeks. Ryan Kerrigan did not practice, but that was not because of an injury issue, so that's probably a good sign that he's okay. Steven Sims, Morgan Moses, Chase Young, um, Cole Holcomb, Ryan Anderson, among those that did not practice because of injury-related issues. Now, I would say this. We already know Matt Ioannidis is out. There's a report that Chase Young is expected to be out, but they haven't ruled him out yet. Maybe that'll happen Friday. Maybe it'll happen Saturday. Maybe it won't happen until 1130 Sunday. That's what I would do. Why? Why give Baltimore any time, any breather when you don't have to? Just keep them questionable or doubtful, whatever you've got to do to just create a little bit of a seed of doubt in their mind. But you cannot win this game. You have no chance to win this game. If Ryan Anderson, Chase Young, and Matt Ioannidis are all out, and we all already know that Matt Ioannidis is out, he just hasn't officially gone on IR yet. So that's just some brief injury notes from Wednesday. We will have a more clear picture, if you will, on the go-home episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast which will record after the final injury report on Friday for the Ravens and the Washington football team. Until then, adios.